Hi, and thanks for hitting the snooze button. I'm Neil Headley. I'm going to introduce you to Sharon Handy, one of the most boring women in America. A woman so boring, in fact, that tens of thousands of people all over the world fall asleep to the sounds of her voice every week. Yeah, Sharon uh, is not a boring person. She's a wonderful person. She just has an incredibly boring podcast, and that's on purpose. It's called Boring Books for Bedtime, and it's been going for a while now. Over half a million downloads of various episodes that Sharon has put together where she takes books and reads them in the most boring delivery possible, all to help you try to fall asleep. Here's Sharon Handy. Sharon, I'm going to start you with exactly the same question that everybody on the show gets, whether you are, you know, the lead singer of a rock band or a world-class neuroscientist, everybody gets the same first question. How did you sleep last night? (laughs) As a maker of a sleep podcast, I'm embarrassed to tell you that last night was the first good sleep I've had in five days. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, wait a minute. Now I'm intrigued. So... I mean, I don't I don't want to say why didn't you turn to your own podcast, but uh, so is, is it something specific? Can we dive for a second into what was up? What did you try? What did you do when this happened? Because I'm sure for someone who does a fall asleep podcast, it must be a curveball for you every once in a while. It is. Uh, and I can answer the question as far as uh, can I use my own podcast? And the answer is no. It's like tickling yourself. When I listen to my own podcast, I just all I do is criticize myself or this is terrible. Why didn't I do this better? Um, But it's actually a topic that I wish you would cover on your podcast. I am a person of middle age and the uh, link between uh, menopause and insomnia. And it has been bedeviling me for about six months. So um, it's just something that I've really uh, struggled with in the last, uh, yeah, six months. Okay. See, now I have marching orders. I love homework. This is good. (laughs) Um, I wish more people would talk about it because when you start poking around or just talking to your friends who are of the same age, it's chronic. It's everywhere, and we're not talking about it in a way that I think is very effective at all. Okay, so, well, then let's talk about it for a second, because, I mean, the entire genesis of boring books for bedtime is fascinating for me, because, I mean, is is that where your background is? is? Are you somehow connected to the sleep world outside of your podcast, or where did all of this start, and where did the idea come from to even do it in the first place? The idea actually came from my stepson. Uh, When I got married to my husband, my stepson was about eight years old and I had never had a child. So having a child in the house was a very new experience for me. And he woke me up one night. He'd had a bad dream. And I thought, okay, I can help you with that. You know, I can read you a book. I have a lot of children's books around because I work in children's museums. That's actually my career. And so I pulled a book down off the shelf and it was Black Beauty. Great book. And I started reading to him about that. And a few pages in, he said, this is too interesting. It was about 3 a.m. and he wasn't going to sleep. And he actually said, do you have anything that's more boring? 
I was like, well, I'm a literature major. Yes, I do have something that's more boring. So I went and pulled down Common Sense by Tom and Thomas Paine. And it put him right out immediately. And oh, I thought, well, that's pain, interesting. And yes, exactly. So after that, it became a thing with us. Can you get the boring book? If he couldn't sleep, I would go get the boring book. And yeah, I, I mixed it up. There's a lot of writers that are perfectly boring for an eight or nine year old. But from that, it just went into the back of my head. People need things to help them. And he's 23 now, but it just never went away. And a few years ago, I started thinking about uh, some friends that were having issues sleeping. And I thought, well, what about the boring book? What about the boring book? And I already had a podcast. I thought this could be a podcast. And I started looking around. There's a few others out there, not too many. And I thought I could do this. I can read people boring books. I have a wealth of books that people would find endlessly boring because I love science, I love history, and I know a lot of people don't. So I just decided, let's try this. And boy, it took right off. Now, the way that you're doing the show right now, there's one new episode every, what, week, right? Yeah, yeah, it comes out every Monday. Okay, so we made the joke about Thomas Paine and and apologizing (laughs) to Thomas Paine. Obviously, he's not here for us to do that. I'm curious (laughs) about the selection of the material and is is there ever anybody, I mean, there's a number of episodes on the shelf. Um, Have you ever heard from anyone that was offended that you called a certain book boring? I've had two comments in the entire time that I've done it. Now it's been about a year and a half that say were like offended that I had called Walden boring, but, (laughs) (laughs) but they still listened. I I know they listened to it because they told me they did, but it was sort of a joking offense, but generally no, nobody does. And because I only deal with um, books that are in the public domain, everything's prior to 1923 on my website or my podcast. So no, I don't hear from the authors. They're all dead right. <laughs> conveniently for me, but they generally no. people, people are loving what I'm putting out and everyone has their own weird uh, one that they love. I'm, I'm wondering what the selection process is. How do you go through picking what this week's episode is going to be? It is all me, Neil. (laughs) It's just what I find interesting, which I'm going to just confess that this podcast is completely self-indulgent in that way. I love information. I love science. I love weird stuff. And I go out and typically through Project Gutenberg, which is just a fantastic resource for uh, e-books that are all in the public domain. They're all free. Uh, Anyone can browse through there. And a few people have written me and and requested some things, including one was how to get the most out of your Victrola. Like this is the weirdest book ever. (laughs) But it was so fun to read because it ended up being all about musical styles. And I'm reading this and I'm realizing as I'm reading this, this was a time when people did not have ready access to music. Nobody did. And it was really this miracle that was in people's houses. It's, it's these interesting windows into worlds that we just have no conception of anymore. Um, but they're still boring. So are you okay with the idea of becoming known as the boring lady? Yes. 
Yes, I'm perfectly fine being boring. That's the whole point. The books are not boring. I'm the boring part of the the podcast because of the way I've I've, which is in a fairly boring and, and monotone voice. I don't think the books themselves are necessarily boring. It's it's about the presentation. It's it's fascinating. The whole idea to me. I mean, I, you know, I've talked to people before about uh, things like um, meditation and sleep and, mm-hmm. and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And uh, Linnell Schneeberg, who uh, runs the sleep uh, program at Connecticut Children's Medical Center, but she's also an assistant professor at Yale School of Medicine. Um, her number one recommendation is if you're having trouble sleeping, uh, the, the best cure she says you can have is a book light and a boring book. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is an even better. Now, the, the challenge for me, and I wonder if you ever have anyone tell you this, the challenge for me is that I can't sleep, for example, with earbuds in. Um, Mm -hmm. I I can't have anything touching my face. I can't have anything touching my head. I'm supposed to get a CPAP machine for my sleep. It's not going to (gasps) happen because, you know, my theory is there's a reason that Darth Vader was so cranky in all the Star Wars (laughs) movies is he had that thing stuck to his face all the time. Um, So I I would find an interesting challenge in going through and and making your podcast my nightly go-to. Um, but apparently the idea is sound because, I mean, you've got all kinds of sleep researchers and, and doctors and things out there saying, no, no, boring book, get engrossed, but not too engrossed in a boring mm-hmm. book and you're off to the mm-hmm. races. So what kind of reaction have you had from people? Nothing in the, in the way of I can't sleep with earphones in. I think it's becoming more and more common. And I think for my, my audience right now is more than 60% under the age of 34. And I think for that particular population, the concept of wearing earphones pretty much all the time is much more natural than it would be for even someone my age, although I do wear earphones a lot. Um, I think it, it's interesting that having become a podcaster who records out of my house, I have never been more aware of how noisy the world is. <laughs> right. And it gets increasingly noisy all the time. Um, I didn't know until I started recording that my house is under five different airport flight paths. <laughs> And it's just constant, constant noise. And more and more, I'm seeing people sort of plug in, put the phones on. And it's it's we, we pretend that we're not aware of these uh, environmental noises. You know, we all say, oh, I don't hear that. I think we hear it all the time. We just don't acknowledge it consciously. And putting those earphones on creates this bubble that people can say, you know, maybe it's just a little too self-reflective, but I think it's partly defensive when we're in a world that has just become so loud. So I don't know. I think for, for a lot of my audience, the idea of just plugging in and tuning out is completely natural. It's just become second habit. I envy my wife. Um, we have a deal where for the first X number of hours every night in an effort to help uh, her sleep, um, she goes with earplugs and it's up to me to sort of, you know, keep the baby monitor on so that if anything goes Mm -hmm. horrendously wrong, 
I'm the one that wakes up to take care of it in the middle of the night and she doesn't have to worry about it because then she's on her own after I leave for work at 3 a.m. Um, but I'm, I've always been envious of her ability to wear earplugs because so far I can't even do that. But I feel like with resources like yours and with all these meditation apps and all these different things out there, there's an entire world that I'm missing out on because I have this preconceived notion that I just won't be able to do it. And I feel like maybe this is this is work I need to do personally to try and get past it. Um, but I'm curious for you as well, if you say that, and, and you're right, I, I completely get the idea of, of the trying to tickle yourself in terms of being able to listen to yourself talk. Uh, and your episodes are almost an hour long. And so that's yeah. a long time to listen to you if you don't like listening to you. Um, so what do you do? You say you, you've had trouble for the last five nights and you've been, um, to put it indelicately, going through the change for the last six months and can't sleep. So what are you doing? What's your trick now if you can't lean on yourself? I have people who read me bedtime stories. Uh, there's oh. a few YouTubers uh, that I use pretty regularly. Um, there's I, – I, this is the weirdest thing. For some reason, Ken Burns' documentary, The Civil War, yep. becomes this kind of weird meditative track. And it was on Netflix. And I don't know if my inability to sleep over the last few nights is related, but it just dropped off Netflix. So I can't use that anymore. Um, and it's it's not a great documentary in many ways. It's very problematic, but it's the, the repetition of that noise, which I could recite to you at this point, having listened to it so many times. It is meditative. It's it's like a mantra. And so listening to the same things over and over again. And I know my own listeners, I put out a new episode every week. Some people listen to all of them, but I know some people listen to the exact same episode every night because they've told me this is the one that does it for me. So I listen to it every single night and it becomes that meditative mantra that will put your brain in a different place and knock you out. Have you ever put one out that the response was such that you thought to yourself, or maybe even as you were recording it, you thought to yourself, nope, this one isn't as boring as I thought it was going to be? I've thrown a few away, that's for sure. Um, and, and there are definitely certain episodes that are more popular than others, but everyone has weird things that resonate with them. I had a, a, a gentleman tell me that I read the Apple Media Terms and Conditions as an episode. And for some reason, he thought, I really wish somebody would read the terms and conditions. And that's how he found me. That's just the weirdest, most off the wall thing that you could choose to do. But he found me and he listens to it every night. Um, there are other episodes, though, that to my surprise, have been incredibly popular. Um, like I read H.G. Wells' Short History of the World. For some reason, people love that episode. I don't know why. Why that one? Whereas you know, others just don't hit. But that's okay. I mean, everyone's got their thing. People will tell you that they've got their favorite episodes. Do you have a favorite of your own? 
a favorite. I love Mrs. Beaton's uh, book of household management. It's this fantastic thousand page volume about everything to do with a 19th century household. And one of the episodes I read was like the duties of a butler, which I had no idea about. And again, this is something I'm reading because I'm fascinated by this. You know, this is straight to my Downton Abbey loving heart. And people love that book. They love that book. It's so weird. It's so different. Um, but I think it's it's just weird enough to keep you interested. It's not weird enough to keep you awake. I think that's the key. Wow. Wow. Okay, so I mean, I know the episodes, once they get out to the world, are somewhere in the neighborhood of between 45 minutes and an hour. Um, how long does putting an episode together take? Because I know for me... I, I, I try to think about what it would take for me to read something that lasted 45 minutes or, or an hour. That would, that's, I mean, not to go too far behind the curtain and, and get into too much, uh, you know, behind the scenes. That would take me 87 takes to get through that long. How long does an episode <laughs> take to put together? The reading is about an hour and a half, and half of that is stopping for the airplanes and the fire engines and everything going by the house because I don't have a professional studio. Um, and I cold read everything, which is a weird thing to say, but it's the truth. I don't practice. I read through very briefly to see, oh, this is my kind of interesting. But I figure if I'm not interested enough to sound like I'm engaged, then people aren't going to really love it. So I just sit down and I just start reading. And I've typically never read that work before. And when I get to about an hour of recording, I turn it off and that's it. And then after that, it's maybe two to three hours of editing. So call it three and a half to five hours for an episode. Actually, yeah, you just struck something else that I, I meant to ask early and, and didn't uh, think to hang on to this question. Um, you obviously don't get, oh, I mean, perhaps the terms and conditions, maybe <laughs> one could read out loud in an hour, but I'm assuming you don't get through most works, do you? No, not at all. I, so I just, what happens it, then? I mean, do you, is there a part two or, or how do you approach that? For some of them, if they if they feel popular, you know, if people have really responded well, then I will give you a part two later on. Um, I try to mix them up. So, you know, there's a science one, there's a history one, there's something from classical literature, there's something odd. That's kind of the pattern for a month. So typically I would do maybe a second or a third part of just a random work at least once per month. There'll probably be more because at this point I have so many in the library that are part one, it's really time to do more part twos, I think. I'm, I'm riveted. I, I love this idea <laughs> because honestly, I mean, and again, uh, talking shop for a second, I mean, I've spent the last 40 years trying to make sure that when I talk, people uh, are, are paying rapt attention, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so the idea of deliberately trying to lull them to sleep. I mean, everything I've ever done has been connected to trying to get people to pay more attention and, oh, and no. you know, perk up. So it's completely foreign to me. I love the idea. And I may end up having to try this on my own. Um, I, I'm going to add it to the list of things because this experiment requires 
that whatever things I'm going to try in an effort to fix my own sleep, I figured it would be fair to try things for a couple of weeks at a time. You know, just to give my body a chance to adjust to whatever and, you know, shake off the the shackles of whatever thing I had tried before that didn't work, get that out of my system. So I feel like I need to get over my fear of going to sleep with earbuds and try this for a couple of weeks. If I'm going to do it, what's the best first episode to start with? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, let me think. But while you, while I, while I figure this out, I'm going to also tell you that uh, I will email, or you can find on Podchaser. I put together a a list of 16 different possible podcasts because I know. You know, my voice is my voice and the way I read is the way I read. It doesn't work for everybody and that's fine. There are other podcasts out there that you might find much more interesting for yourself. So um, I have a list called I Need Sleep that has 16 different options on it for you. You might want to take a look at that. you know, I, I I did On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin just a few weeks ago, and I really liked that one. Okay, so, okay. It's I feel way like more I've boring already, than I'm you think it is. I'm starting to put a playlist together in my head now of you, because if you're telling me Darwin, okay, Darwin okay. has to be. And I'm, I'm really tempted, and I may put a special link specifically to this one episode. The terms and conditions one just fascinates me. Uh, it was so funny. Because you <laughs> may be the so only funny. person on the planet that has read all the way through the terms and conditions. Well, probably. Yeah. Media purchase I, terms. They, and they probably take that into account when they're writing it, too. I assume that three quarters of the way into the terms and conditions on stuff, there's probably an F-bomb. There's probably, you know, <laughs> quotes of, of lyrics from songs because they think to themselves, no one is going to read this far. Exactly. And it's very repetitive in the way that all legal contracts are, which I think is one of its great selling points is something to fall asleep to. Um, If you want the most popular episode I've ever done in terms of listeners, it's called The Coming of the Fairies. And it was written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And it is a true story of his attempt to prove that some photographs of fairies were real. And, and it's, it's boring. It's both boring and completely riveting. It's it's it just treads that fine line of what? <laughs> Do you ever find yourself getting carried away and and losing track of the fact that you're supposed to be boring people? It, it can be a little difficult. It's hard to keep that tone, that cadence, just kind of quiet, that storytelling cadence. But um, that one was difficult because I'm reading this book and thinking that this entire book is about delusion and uh, being a critical thinker. And it's just it's the most fascinating book. People I love it. It, it, has, it blew away every number I ever had as far as downloads go. Wow. And there's, okay. there's a part two on that one. There is a part two. So. See, I think part two is going to be in your, your, your next frontier here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm excited. I, I'm, so I, I have to uh, clear, you know, the decks of, of the other things I'm trying at the moment. But 
I have to slot boring books for bedtime in and experiment <laughs> with this for a couple of weeks. And um, I'll let you know how it goes. I mean, that's the Please whole thing do. is every time I try one of these ideas that are supposedly going to help me sleep better, you know, I let everybody know how it worked and, and I'll make sure to clue you in on this as well. Uh, Sharon, I'm so glad you had time for this tonight. And I, I don't know what to do about your sleep problem. I tell you two <laughs> things. Um, stay tuned. I, you know, if you, if, if there's room for me in your podcast subscription list, maybe you can stumble upon the same answers that I'm stumbling upon. But the other thing I'll tell you is that now that you've sort of pointed me in this direction, I, you're right. I need to do an episode that has to do with menopause and sleep issues because we haven't tackled it. You're right. It's not spoken about enough. And yeah. it's it's just funny how many different flavors of insomnia there are and how many different reasons there are why people are having trouble sleeping. But that's a big one. And you're absolutely right. I need to jump on that. So thank you for the homework assignment. I appreciate it. Oh, please. When, and when I really dug into the uh, the issue after I started the podcast and just realizing how many people are so troubled by this, what seems to be a simple problem, I can't sleep. It's 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 a shocking amount of people and it's growing every day. So for, well, for many different reasons. There's billion people on the planet and the one thing we all have in common is that we sleep. So... Or don't. Somebody could have an answer to this, you would think. But uh, thankfully, um, it's people like you that are making it easier for a whole ton of them. And uh, my job is to make sure that more people find out about what you're up to because I, I love it and I need to try it myself because uh, it sounds fascinating. And again, terms and conditions, that will be my second episode right after Darwin. That's going to be among the first times in world history that that sentence has been uttered, but (laughs) there it is. Sharon, thank you for making time for this tonight. Thank you so much, Neil. I really appreciate it. There you go. Sharon Handy from Boring Books for Bedtime. Links to the podcast and everything else you need to know, not only in the show notes, but also on our website at thesnoozebutton.com. Something crossed the radar this week before we wrap the show that I wanted to bring to your attention. And in fact, it's prominent enough that I thought we should preempt the panel of experts and another sleep question from our audience this week. That feature will return on next week's show. However, I wanted to bring this one to your attention because it popped up. If you follow us on the socials, you might have seen this story already. Get Your Snooze On is our handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, And particularly on Twitter and Facebook, we are constantly pumping out information about different sleep studies that have happened, new products that are out there that have caught our attention, usually for the worst, um, and various other ideas going around in the sleep world. And so this one popped up, and I wanted to let people know about it because the media in the town where it happened hasn't spotted one wrinkle of the story that I think is significant, but no one else seems to. And so it has gone largely unobserved. The story comes from Toronto, Canada. And it involves the Toronto District School Board who trumpeted this week an amazing achievement that they have found a way to save two and a half million dollars a year on busing expenses, which sounds like a terrific thing. We're all for having people save money and maybe being able to funnel that money back into educating our kids. We love that idea. Here's, however, what the Toronto District School Board has done. They've decided that the best way to save the couple of million dollars is by staggering the school start times. Staggering school start times 
means that some of the schools are going to be starting later. However, several are going to be starting significantly earlier. Some of the start times have been bumped back half an hour, even 35 minutes. I believe I saw at least one entry on the revised schedule that has the school bumping back their start time by 40 minutes. This while all over America, school districts are either implementing or seriously examining pushing school start times later. Why are they doing that? Because of the overwhelming amount of science that points with absolutely no room for doubt that there are significant health benefits for kids and significant performance improvement benefits for kids. They get better grades. They get in less trouble. And let's not even get started on talking about car accidents involving teenagers that are driving themselves to school. Now, much of the research about melatonin production and circadian rhythm has to do with teenagers and prepubescent kids who are going through all kinds of hormone changes involving melatonin and their circadian rhythms. But you've got educators all over America and sleep scientists that are saying it would be irresponsible of us to continue to send our children to school at a time that is just not wired for their bodies. They do not work the same way that we do. And you can't just turn to a child and say, suck it up, wake up a half an hour earlier. That's life. You can't do it. So they, including the state of California, the entire state, bumping school start times later, and phasing in the changes over the course of two or three years because they recognize that making wholesale changes to families' schedules would take time to adjust to. The Toronto District School Board is changing school start times, some of them earlier, by as much as half an hour or more. And by the way, it kicks in in September. Good luck navigating that one, Mom and Dad. You do the math on that one because... I don't get it. Our website, thesnoozebutton.com. If you want to find links for the show notes from this week's episode for Sharon Handy and Boring Books for Bedtime. Also links there for our contests page. Details on how to get your question in front of our panel of sleep experts. A super easy way to rate and review the show and pass on links to friends so that you can share this with a friend that you know that's having problems with their sleep. You can also leave us your feedback there. You can get the links to all our social media profiles and... If you're so inclined, you can keep the show running and keep it commercial free with a donation on our glow.fm page as well. But all the details are there on our website, thesnoozebutton.com, where you'll also find a link to our other podcast called The Snooze Button Express. If you're crunched for time but you love the information, an edited down version that takes this entire conversation and hacks it way down to there's only nine minutes left. It's called the Snooze Button Express. And like this one, it comes out every Monday. Until then, my name's Neil Headley. Hey, get some sleep, would you? 